Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now edit, also known as the Nine edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. I'm very excited to welcome today's guest, Mara Hoffman, who started her label back in 2002 in her Upper East Side apartment. Over a decade in, she had an epiphany about the fashion industry. Without sustainable practices, it was a toxic business that was bad for the earth. And with the perspective of becoming a new mom, she was also thinking about her legacy differently. It was then that Hoffman began transforming her business practices with a commitment to sustainability as a core principle. This fall, Hoffman was awarded the Environmental Sustainability Award from the Council of Fashion Designers of America. And on today's episode of In Her Shoes, we'll explore how she thinks about sustainable growth and talk about the impact she wants to make on the wider fashion industry. Hi, Mara. Thank you for joining us on this show. And I have to start by saying congratulations on your CFDA 2023 Environmental Sustainability Award. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I I love what you do. I love you. I'm excited to talk to you. And um, yeah, thanks about the award. It's pretty exciting. I mean, obviously, your brand has had so many pivotal moments over the years. Um, but when you launched the brand um, fresh out of Parsons, you know, this was long before how we shop today, which could be on TikTok, Instagram, e-commerce, all of those things. Um, your collection and obviously where your head was at was obviously in such a different place in building a brand Tell us about those early years um, and the moments where you felt like the business and really felt solidified for you. For sure. So uh, the brand is 23 years old now, which is which really is wild to me. That's because incredible. I, yeah, it is. And I, I, it's as of recently, I've been really kind of adjusting my idea and relationship to it Uh and trying to kind of remove this idea that I am my brand and more it's like, oh, I created this thing like a kid kind of, and my kid is 23 years old. And um, and so it's been an interesting moment of reflection on and also in separating this I am it and versus I created it or gave birth to it. So I've been in this little place, but thinking a lot about those beginning years and what they were and sort of where they correlate in a way to where I am now. But the very beginning was starting the summer I graduated from Parsons, yes. And I was hand making everything in my um, little, at a studio apartment above Curry in a Hurry, which is still there on 28th and Lux. And at the time I was doing a lot of deconstruction kind of like, working with existing garments and cutting and redesigning and hand sewing beads, dyeing. Each piece was one of a kind. It really straddled that art 
fashion space. And again, this is the end of the 90s, so there was a lot more room for that. I think that there's a renaissance of it now, definitely in fashion, but the 90s and early 2000s, we were there was a lot more of that kind of crossover of art and fashion in New York particularly. So I was in that space. I was selling one-offs. I was selling, my friends at the time were stylists and they were doing these new artists, like new artists, Britney Spears, new artists, Jennifer Lo- J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, new artists, you know, Christina Aguilera. So it was this real birth of and an kind of a new time of what celebrity was going to be. And my friends were doing their music videos. So I would make these pieces for them and That was the very beginning. And then I had a run-in. I was bringing a bag of clothes to put on consignment at a store, a friend's store in in Nolita. It wasn't, I don't think it was called Nolita at the time. I don't even know what we called it. Um, But I met Patricia Fields in that store, who at the time had these two incredible stores in New York that were kind of like the the spot for club kids and sort of counterculture, cool fashion club moment. And she saw me in the store and loved what I had on and said, hey, what's in your bag? I'm styling for this new show and it's called Sex in the City. And I was like... Casual. Casual, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> and, um, and so she bought the bag of clothes that I had on me. And then the next day, her buyers for those stores called and set up appointments. So that's sort of how I started my wholesale wholesale business. It was me alone in my apartment, hand sewing and making clothes to bring to the store. And then it gave me the confidence and I grew it from there. And that was the very, so that's the very beginning part. And then it's had these major marking points along the way, such as, you know, getting out of hand, dyeing everything, discovering I could design prints and how that could kind of take me out of the hands-on production part, launching swimwear, you know, the business going through very different aesthetic shifts, different moments of getting a lot of attention for a particular thing I had designed. We've gone through different phases of that. And then probably the most important one was when we really hit that um, shift point towards the work we're doing now within sustainability. It feels like there's been so many eras for the brand and obviously some years into the brand being very established, you also made sure that people understood the importance of sustainability and the environmental impact of all of the things that we're doing, obviously, in fashion. Walk us through how that came about to be so important to you personally and how it really manifested as, as you know, the, the primary source of the brand as well. There had been some years leading up to when this shift took place and the years of kind of starting to understand and recognize the impact and not have any idea though what I could actually do because so much has happened in these past nine years around information sharing, resources, uh, like kind of the ability to change something now or to start a brand now is within that ethos is so different than what was happening even short nine years ago. So In 2015, I think I really just hit that huge pain point of mega discomfort and 
that translated into the decision that I would be willing to shut down if I couldn't transform it. And again, I didn't know the steps of transformation. I didn't understand even like, what do you do here when you have this thing? And we were not pioneers in this. There were brands and people who've done this work before us. There was, you know, we've got Eileen and Stella and Patagonia and the people have been doing the work, right? But for us, it was like, what? I used to use an analogy of like a cruise ship that's going in one direction and then like all of a sudden you turn that thing. And so I brought it to my, at the time, production uh, manager or director of production and said, okay, we got to close. Also, my kid was three. And I think that that added this other level of examining your shit kind of thing and like what is a legacy and what is purely egoic kind of existence and what is considering the impact of the other. And even if you're not able to, sometimes it's like in the immediacy of it or in the familiar, the deep familiar, like having a kid being like, oh, okay, if I can't connect to the global, I can connect to this direct impact of his experience and what it's going to be. And I was also connecting to a broader global responsibility and pain around it, but I think it just was able to centralize it into like what he would experience and how it felt so out of alignment to continue in a direction that could possibly be of harm. Yeah, so, I yeah. I mean, speaking of alignment, though, when, what, I mean, I think you were definitely one of the first businesses to also bring in um, a lot of the resale business as well. And just the conversation that we constantly have around consumption. And it felt like definitely a shift in the past, you know, 10 years where there was all this pressure for whether you were someone working in the industry or, um, you know, an editor, a stylist, influencer, all of those things to constantly be wearing new outfits. And so the resale business, I think, has also just provided another lane in alignment with a lot of what you're talking about, obviously, with sustainability. Um, and I'm curious of how those components, you know, related to each other on your end and how consumers have embraced resale as part of your business. Yeah, for sure. I mean, resale is relatively new for us in the sense that we had done a, a program, a take back program prior to the what we've launched now on our site, which was about repairing damaged goods and being able to resell those, but it didn't really pick up. And this was, I don't want to get it wrong, but maybe in 2018, like that was when we had done it. And then it didn't have the the momentum behind it. And so in 2020, we launched our own take back program, um, a peer-to-peer -peer system with on our, on our site. So people that own Mara Hoffman could list it and sell it to their community, our community. And, you know, for us, one of our main goals within this framework of the work that we're doing is obviously around circularity and this ownership that doesn't just end once the clothing leaves us or that is only centered on the design of it or the materials of it and the production of it, that 
we understand as a brand that it goes far past that, that whatever happens at the end of life cycle for what we're doing is as important as the intentionality that goes into the creation of it, because that's the situation we're in, is nobody thinking about the end of things. It's just the beginning point. I think it reflects in a big way, sort of culturally, how we you know, how we live and that's, we celebrate birth. Like we're really good at that. We're really good at celebrating new beginnings. We're really good at celebrating when someone's having a baby, but we're really, really uncomfortable with, you know, putting the same level of attention and reverence to when things are dying. And, um, you know, I, it's just the way that I kind of hold the whole thing of it. It's like we, somebody, I was on a panel and it was said, I didn't say this, but you do, um, how you do one thing is how you do all things. And it was really beautiful and kind of connected to this same idea that if we could put the same love and um, time and care and reverence to what happens at the end of something, as opposed to just being like, yay, it's new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we would do probably a big part of the healing that we've been avoiding yeah. altogether. So back long answer to that, but but the, the circularity part is that. It's like, how do we be as present for the death as we are for the birth? And um a, a take back program and a reselling program extends that. It extends the life of the things that we're doing and it keeps it in circulation. And there's also really amazing parts too that it invites a new customer in at a different price point and someone who maybe couldn't um, participate with the brand. And they couldn't, they love the brand and they have wanted to participate, but now they have an opportunity to. And I think there's also such an incredible movement around people not buying new clothes. Mm -hmm. So how do you activate as a brand to be on board with that? I, I agree with it. I really agree with that movement. So to be someone whose profit and business is based on the opposite side of that, like we need to sell more things and new things in order to pay our supply chain and be here, you have to kind of counter it or, um, you know, put the other parts in place that are at least kind of meeting you somewhere in the middle with this. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. I mean, I'm also so curious of what you've been able to view in the industry from your position, because I feel like on my end, especially with trends, it can just feel 
very conflicting, very hard, because obviously you know that people need to, as you were saying, make money or, you know, it's very exciting to see young designers come up and, you know, you want to see creatives be able to be in their element, but also just this feeling that um, there's so much pressure in fashion for the new thing, for the next thing, for the big trend. And obviously your own aesthetic is these are clothes that you could wear no matter what life season that you were in and they're not trend-based. But I feel like, especially throughout the pandemic, a lot of shopping and just trend-based uh, brands were really accelerated and and also just accelerated the amount of things that people were returning. I can remember so many specific pieces of people saying like, this is the thing, and then they don't wear that at all <laughs> anymore. Um, and it was such a, you know, it was such a specific moment in time where they wanted something and then it just feels like I wore it to to wear it on Instagram to tell people that I have it and then it just completely goes away. How has it been to, you know, watch that cycle happen from your point of view, but also understanding the, the mechanics and the logistics behind this as a designer and, you know, sticking true to your own truth and, and how you really want to be as, as a brand and as a founder? Yeah, I mean, it's super painful to witness it and also feel that you are potentially playing a role in it and perpetuating the pace at which we're running at this point. And it's also this need for newness is this, I feel like, a real symptom of the the illness that we're all in. And it's like, we can't fill the hole <laughs> fast enough. We're hungry. It's like a starving culture, you know, and society that's externally looking to be fed at every point because there's they're not doing it from the inside out. And it's really hard to heal anything from the outside in. And so that's what it is. It's like, this will make me feel better. This will make me feel better. But it, it doesn't. It's the wrong medicine. My heart breaks for it. It's like not in a place of judging or being like, what is wrong with people? Why are they buying all this fast fashion? Fast fashion? I'm like, I feel the opposite. I'm like, oof, oof, we are like the poor humans. Like we got it wrong. We got the message wrong. We lost remembrance, right? Of connectedness of what actually mattered. And so we became starving and are like, fill it, fill it. And we're looking at a planet that is reflecting back hungry humans and it can't keep up with us. It can't feed us quick enough. Um, and so it, it breaks my heart. I think about that and then how that translates, like all that emotionality, all the, like the spirit-based aspect of this, nature-based aspect of this then informs design. And I think it's about doing our best to communicate longevity, communicate um, a like a transformation in how we hold material, you know, anything, forget clo clothes, anything that is of physical form, like how we acquire it, how we put reverence into it, how we hold it, how we take care of things. Like, you know, like, how do you take care of the things in your life? Like, I imagine that it's pretty related, like how you take care of like a shirt or an item is... Um, pretty probably resembles how you take care of a relationship or you take care of an emotion or an experience in your life. Do you throw it away? Do you get tired of it? Do you not work on it? Do you not try and mend it and repair it and know that it's sacred and special? Um, and so I think if I could 
that would that's my goal is to sort of be a translator of that of like where do we reconnect and how as designers within my own team are we able to do that in our design do we speak to the materials try and teach people how to take care like relearn like thinking about my our parents generation and how they had such a different relationship to their clothes i remember my mom and her clothing and how she took care of it and how her clothes lasted. You know, she had the same things for so many years. She still has these beautiful pieces in her closet that are 30 or 40 years old. And it was just a different um, set of training and habits that she had from her parents. And it got lost along the way through uh, access to so much. I really admire and love your philosophy around connection. And obviously, there's a lot of ties um, with you personally in, in having beliefs around nature um, and just like a, a spiritual intimacy there. And I just was curious of where, when that became something that was important to you as, as a person and when and how you really wanted to integrate that as part of the brand. Yeah, thank you for asking that because I think it's important to talk about that part. It's huge for me and it's only become louder. So I think that a big portion of my life, like I always, you know, I've always loved nature or connected to it. And this work within, you know, I use quotations when I say sustainability because I think we're all fishing for something or trying to come up with a better word for it because the goal is not sustaining where we are. It's really revolutionizing and transforming. Like sustaining this is um, not going to get us out of it. So anyways, we'll use the word for lack of something better. Um, but I had, you know, uh, this sort of an intellectualized, I think. I love nature. I felt connected. I felt better when I was close to it. But part of it was a really intellectualized relationship of like, of, yes, I love the planet. Of course, I love the planet. Of course, I love trees and I love the ocean and I don't want those things to die. And But really, I think I had this whole new transformation during the pandemic. Um, I was really... I recognize like the immense amount of privilege to have proximity to nature and to be able to um, be in nature during such a traumatic, collectively traumatic, which continues to be a collectively traumatic time for humans. Um, and I and I had that. I had an a, an ability to be spend time in nature during that, and I used it as an opportunity to kind of like surrender into a very different relationship and one that included communication with it. And I mean, it gets a little, I, I get it, can, it's going to sound like some like deep hippie stuff here, but it was during that time that I, I built this relationship in talking to trees. Like I'm a tree talker. And so I would and I do now, and it's changed my life, is have this ongoing conversation with the trees around where I live. And I also do this in the city. So I just also want to put that out there that if you aren't in proximity to nature or cannot 
you know, sink yourself into a forest. That the trees, I also am floored by the trees that are in New York City that are growing in these tiny little squares of the sidewalk and the work that they're doing for the humans right now. Anyways, it opened up this um this dialogue with nature and i brought i brought it in as as like a co-creator in a way to be like hey i know fully in my entire being that you are rooting for us like the planet and nature as a whole is rooting for our survival i i established this relationship and it and it and it definitely transcended the intellectual and became deeply intimate, like it became cellular of one, a knowingness that I'm not alone and that there are these kind of unseen forces and they come from nature that are here to support. They're here to co-create with and they have everything. They will give you everything they can to see a better outcome of the experience we're in. And um, I've been accessing that and it can look as simply as just in conversation, like outwardly speaking as I'm walking and I'm in gratitude for the trees and I'm relating and appreciating and loving nature in this way that uh, has it just communicates back. And now you are here to deeply love and protect something that's asking you to do that for them. I love this. And I think it also just speaks to the power of what you're doing, because I think when there are so many brands right now and so many people in fashion, um, a lot of it can feel like there's just an obsession with ideas without purpose. And you you clearly have a very um, defined reason of why you're doing this and connection larger than yourself, which I, I think is very beautiful. Um, and a lot of the decisions that you've made very clearly intentional, um, like your partnership uh, with the with the company Cirque, which is allowing you to create dresses that are made of entirely recycled fabric. Obviously, that's so much in alignment with what you've been wanting to do, but I'm curious of, you know, what that process is like in actually creating a capsule with them and how do you see it informing everything else that you're doing as well? Definitely. Yeah, this was such an exciting collab for us and it it was actually took about five years <clears throat> to bring it to market. I feel like it's this exquisite example of where like science and design need each other at this moment. I think so much about my role in and how that sits like in advocating, being like a translator of beauty and that that can sometimes be seen as a frivolity, especially when we're, you know, in times of deep crisis, but really how important beauty is to the human experience and to the connectedness of transformation. And so when you apply that to the work or the science and the tech that is also so exciting and happening right now, it's like when those two things get to exist. Um, so Cirque is this incredible tech company that came up with this innovation where they're able to split fibers, a poly and cotton blend fiber, and that has been an enormous roadblock for the industry because the majority of the clothing that are existing now and in landfills are um, blended fibers. So it's one thing to be able to recycle like all 
fully cotton, right? Or even fully poly, like you see in a lot of swimwear, um, you know, made from recycled plastic bottles or, um, and, but the thing about it has been about splitting, separating those fibers. And so this is why they're so incredible. They've been able to come up with that and then take those two separated fibers and then re-enter them back into the stream and make newness from that. So when you really think about the potential for that, if we could take what already exists, we could be making newness from our um, garbage, from our you know waste. And that's the thing here. That's the circularity, right? So... The, the dilemma of this sustainability thing when you're still manufacturing new is that you're still making new stuff that needs to get dealt with. But imagine if we could only be accessing from what already has been made. You don't need to tap another natural resource. You don't need to tap the planet for more, right? We've got it. We have it. It's already been made. And so this dress is... Um, we, we call it the dress that changes everything because I think it represents this, this, it's like, this is, this can be the future. And I am a small player and a, a very small player. But if this system is scaled, we're looking, we're looking at a whole different landscape, and that's what excites me. And that's, I think, why we're usually or very often tapped to be um, like a collaborating brand to bring something first to market because we put a lot of passion and storytelling and beauty and sexiness into it. And like that tech needs it. So um, yeah, so Cirque is, Cirque is amazing. And this dress that we made, we made a limited edition, 35 pieces of it. And it's made from 50% post-consumer lyocell, which is a pulp uh, material that is made, um, and 50% new lyocell. And the goal of this is that once they're able to scale, it's 100% recycled and this can be applied in enormous ways. Like think about these larger scale brands. Um, th this is the tech that changes the planet. So it's exciting and um, yeah. I'm excited for you. And I may be answering my own question here, but do you see partnerships like this be the middle ground between, obviously, you know, this is a business and brand and you need to grow, but also the way that you can keep sustainability as a core value? For sure. I mean, the whole, I think the whole foundation of, a, you know, the sustainability movement in fashion is dependent on collaboration. It, it it's the only way it this isn't this can't be siloed it can't be proprietary it can't be in this like singular space of winning something or getting you know being the best at uh, like we won sustainability like it's a joke you know um it has to be all in or none or we're not going to do it so and I think that that was the thing that excited me the most in the beginning stages nine years ago was to see the willingness of the people who had been in the work before us. They were so willing and generous with what they knew and what they could give to us and, and, and now vice versa. And you're like, this thing works. It's like one boat rises, all boats rise. Like this thing only has impact through scale and through collaboration. 
Like there's no world. I can't do anything. But my, I mean, I mean that. Like, what am I going to do? I am an independently run company that is like when I say the little what is it the little engine that could or like <laughs> we are yep. the scrappiest. I'm I'm and I'm for the record. I'm exhausted by the scrappiness at this point, and I'm really ready for some like true lubrication and some true support within my brand um, because at a certain point too, like you can't do it if you're exhausted by it. And so I'm a little bit at that point to be really honest where I'm like, okay, great. We've done all of this, but let's go. Like we need support. We need like a new paradigm of collaboration within the work we're doing. And um, yeah, that's the phase I'm honestly in, but the whole thing is based on partnerships. Yeah. I mean, since you've been working on this partnership with Cirque for the past five years, I'm curious about what your aspirations are for the next five years of the brand and and what you hope other designers may be inspired on to do based on, you know, the model that you've built. I've always been not awesome at um, like this. I think to like even my team, it drives them crazy where they're like, tell me the five years that I'm like... Let's talk about today. Um, but it's always been harder for me to be really specific about that vision, but it's always helped. And, you know, maybe in the therapy space and the spiritual space of like, okay, you doesn't you, have, you don't have to clarify exactly what it looks like or the is of the thing, but more of like clarifying the feeling of the thing. And if you can get the feeling locked in, the other parts will fill in around that. Um, the feeling is the most important. So for me at this point, um, for the brand, again, like I want that lubrication. I want the ease. I need a little bit of, I would like to feel into the ease of what it means to be able to move quicker and seamlessly with these types of collaborations, the initiatives within my own company, the things that I know we could be moving much quicker at and being able to bring to market, being able to expand the the, the different collaborations, partnerships. Um, there's so much, Lindsay, that you can be doing in this so much. And for us, my only limitation is the funds to do it. And so that I'm like, okay, ready for that, ready for that part to feel different in this next five years for sure. And then I think on a the collective level, it's that People are really putting kind of their money and their energy and their hearts where their mouths are. Like a lot of people are speaking, and this isn't about me, you know, outing anybody. I, I don't care. I mean, I do care, obviously, but that's not my platform. It's more of like, get on board. I don't care where you've been. I don't care if it's, if you're new if new to it today, whatever. And also just speaking about like, how do the people that have the ability to do so support the people that are like burning with passion and know-how and grit? And it's like, let's link these things together now. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was such an incredible conversation. And I, I learned so much. I was writing some stuff down that I want to research after this. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to be able to speak to this. It's my heart, you know, and um, it's an honor to be able to communicate it. Thanks for listening to In Her Shoes. 
Today's episode was produced and edited by Nishat Kerwa. Our engineers are Jelani Carter and Brandon McFarlane. I'm your host, Lindsay Peoples. In Her Shoes is a production of The Cut and New York Magazine. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.